Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to the Dynamic Dojo Show with Restita and Robert, your source for martial arts talk radio. Three, two, one, we're live. Listening to Dynamic Dojo Talk Radio with Rosita and Robert. So I'm Rosita, and as always, I am joined here at the helm by my co-host and brother in the martial arts, Sifu Robert Steele. Sifu Bob, how you doing this evening? Good, good. We were supposed to get some rain this weekend. Never happened. I feel sorry <laughs> for everybody because our, our buddy Pete Rife keeps posting pictures of his of his no. barbecue bird and so. <laughs> And of his car buried in stuff. It's like, I have a comment. Dude, where's my car? Because he had no car. It was buried. Yeah. Up it was buried. Home. Yeah, yeah. I think I uh, saw a little bit of his window, and that was about it. And, you know, to to all our martial arts brothers and sisters over there on the East Coast, you know, everywhere over there, and you're dealing with that snow and snowed in, you know, gosh, you know, our thoughts are with you. Stay warm. Stay safe. Um, oh, my gosh. But you know what? They're used to it. If something like that happened over here in Seattle, we would be crippled. And same with you guys <laughs> down there in L.A. Oh, we would be worse. Like, oh, my God. We would be done. I'm wearing a T-shirt. I'm, I just came in from outside wearing a T-shirt. Yeah, we hate you over here. Although I know. Today, today it was almost, it was almost 60. So, you know, around 55 or something like that. It was almost 60. And we were like, this is unseasonable for, for January here in Seattle. Normally, it's like cold and raining and stuff like that. And on rare years, it will snow. Not quite like the East Coast, but it it is crippling. I mean, <laughs> I mean, when someone, when the weather forecast says snow and there's proof on the Doppler radar, people go ape. And, you know, forget it. Forget going about the, going to the grocery store. Walmart, stay away from Walmart. Stay away from Target. Stay away from Fred Meyer. They're all zoos. And then when the and then when just a little bit of the snow starts coming down, you could feel people freaking out. <laughs> it's like, come on, folks. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so, <clears throat> listeners, our phone number here is 347-677-0699. Please stay tuned because later on, after our first segment, we're going to be talking about uh, martial arts for people with special needs. In this episode, we're going to be talking specifically about autism and other sensory processing issues. Um, However, uh, our discussion is going to be geared toward anyone with special needs. And we want to hear from you, listeners. We want to hear from the martial arts instructors. We want to hear from paraeducators and and teachers and therapists and other professionals that are familiar with uh, sensory processing issues. We want to hear from you about uh, possibly getting some tips um, to give other martial arts instructors about uh, teaching kids with Asperger's and all the kids in the autism spectrum, um, myths and realities about autism and and stuff like that but we'll be talking about that a little bit later around 6 30 so don't go away 
All right. Hey, so hey, what, you know what how, you like you know how to there? start a real fight? I figured out What's something. That? You know how to start a real fight with a vegetarian? What's that? You you just how? tell them, well, I'm 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 close to a vegetarian. I'm a, I'm what they call you know how they talk about second hand everything. Second hand smoke, second hand this, second hand that. I'm a second hand mm-hmm. vegetarian. Cows eat grass, I eat cows. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, oh, I got, oh, my God. I got to tell you about this week. <clears throat> okay. I went to a show that one of our past guests that were on with our Kamon show was doing at a place in Studio City. Amazing. My, she's Hispanic, and she, she's very famous, I guess, in Mexico. Uh, for her music, and my wife, my wife says that she wants to go with me. I'm like, okay, cool. I'll just rearrange my ticket. No problem. So, mm-hmm. my wife says, I hope it's not all Hispanic songs because it'll get this. This will be a very long night because we don't understand Spanish. Mm-hmm. This girl comes out and blows us all away. She is a Beatles <laughs> fanatic. She sang a Spanish song, an Italian song, a French song, but it was oh, she's song Beatles like you couldn't believe. She must have she must have done the whole set almost on a whole all, all Beatles. I think she's wow. she Journey. Uh her ending song, believe it or not, was uh Dexy's Midnight Runners come on uh come Eileen. On, it was Eileen. A re- yeah. Right on. It was a re- remix and she was just fabulous. And I told her, Man, you were the first one who to Whoever you were the only one who ever heard somebody tell our Kamachu is full of shit on the air. It's just yeah, because <laughs> I did. Now here's the funny part though. Remember the Robert Blake murder? Yeah, yeah. This was inside that restaurant where he had dinner with his wife the night she was killed. Oh wow! Whoa. Somebody said that to me. I said no. So I I googled it while Jenny and I were walking up in the restaurant. Yeah. It was uh-huh. where his wife was killed, about a block away. Wow. Yeah, so it was wow. like that restaurant that was part of history. Yeah, <clears throat> for sure. Wow. <laughs> That's cool, though. <clears throat> it was very cool. <clears throat> Sorry, I got a <clears throat> frog in my throat. <clears throat> I think I might have to get <clears throat> get some tea when you get to the weird news or something <clears throat> weird. All right. Well, let's get this show started so later on we can talk about martial arts for special needs. So who do we have for birthdays there, Sifu Bob? Birthdays? I, You know, it's funny. Out of all, the whole week, I only have three birthdays for three people I know, and they're <laughs> all on the same day. <laughs> on the 25th, we have, uh, I cannot pronounce his last name, D-Nod. I believe it's Key D-Nod. Uh, his birthday is on the 25th. Uh, Maha Guru Clifford Stewart. His birthday is also on the 25th. And Guru Daryl Sargent is also on the 25th. And, I, of course, I've put a shout out. You know, I'm not going to be available for the show next week because it's my wife's birthday. And for the one day, you know, I'm so I'm like nine months older than she is in the entire mm-hmm. – but within that entire year, I'm a full year, according to her. Mm-hmm. That I'm so much older. It's like you. The first, the first time I ever had you down. What are you, like, ten years older than me? No, I'm two. <laughs> two years. <laughs> so this time, so there's a couple, of, and I can say it because she's not here. We're doing the Warner Brothers Studio tour. I'm well. First we're doing breakfast, then the tour, then we're going to Benny Hanna's for dinner. 
Oh, so it's be a good nice. Day <clears throat> nice. Yep. Very nice. Yeah, they, have been, Very cool. they have Benihana's up in Seattle, don't they? Oh, or something yeah, like it? yeah. Yeah, yeah. Benihana's in its entirety, yeah. I think we have oh, one, cool. one okay. or two. I, 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 the last I checked, there was one, like, right in the middle of downtown, you know. And uh, i just never been there because it's like, meh, you know. <laughs> I can I can fry my own meat with a, but I can't juggle, so, you know, whatever. <laughs> right. But exactly. one of these days, I do want to go there. One of these days, I do want to go there. Um, let's see if I've got any birthdays here. Um, shout out to Facebook buddy Travis Tapia. His birthday is today. Um, a uh, Kung Fu younger brother, David Wynn. And let's see, already said Daryl Sargent and Key Denod. Uh, my cousin, Tamaro, is turning 39. So happy, happy, uh, happy birthday there, Bong. And how come Key Denod is on here twice? Anyway. <laughs> because one, one word, one name is Key and one Key word is Kivant. Kinod, yeah. Okay. And on, let's see, what day is this? Tuesday, the 26th, whip maker extraordinaire Lauren Wickline. Her birthday is on Tuesday. And what else do we got here? Thursday, Facebook buddy Gordon Teague. Um, and a previous Wushu student, Hyde Trung. Uh, so their birthdays are on Thursday, the 28th. And Avon Hines, who is also a previous uh, student, he's turning 59. And Friday, I don't have any birthdays, I don't think. Um, well, hold on, let me see here. Nope. And Saturday, do I have any other birthdays? Nope, that's it. <laughs> so for everyone having a birthday, the week of January 24th through the 30th, this tune is for you. Happy birthday! calendar i was like what <laughs> yeah I know, really right? really that's that's interesting all right let's get moving on announcements and events do you have any going on uh no i actually had a pretty cool event last night uh i forget his last name he was a, a tang sudo master at a thousand mm-hmm. oaks they're paint they're honoring at the uh martial arts history museum Mm-hmm. And he was actually a student, personal student of Chuck Norris's and uh, Pat Johnson. Mm-hmm. And it was their second largest crowd in the museum. First, we have Cecil People's Night, which we had over 200. And then last night, there was like 170. So it was wow. a good night. Right on. Yeah. Very cool. Well, I just have a couple for uh, the local crowd here in Washington State. Uh, Lunar New Year, Chinese New Year, um, is going to be celebrated in uh, Seattle's Chinatown International District. 
uh, February 13th from 11 a.m. until it gets dark. And uh, I think uh, I'm going to be joining Sifu Tianyan Li of uh, Northwest Wushu. We're going to bring our bring our forces together to do another great demo out in the street down there for that. Outside, in the cold, it should be fun. <laughs> Does anyone remember what year it is? Is it the year of the monkey? I think it's the year of the monkey this year. Somebody, somebody correct me if I'm wrong, <clears throat> but... Anyhow, I think it's the year of the monkey. Um, and speaking of performances, this is a little ways up in the future, but March 25th, um, throughout that whole weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, it's SakuraCon 2016. It is the Northwest's largest convention for um, anime, science fiction, cosplay, um, manga, uh Japanese and Asian culture, the whole nine yards. Um, and uh, my team is going to be doing a uh, doing the yearly um, first opening class and uh, demonstration and workshops for uh, for it. So it'll be it'll be fun. And uh, then of course there's the Masters Hall of Fame later on in the middle of the year. Um, oh, for Crimey's sake, I forgot when the dates are. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so, okay, Masters Hall of Fame. Um, in fact, let me go look here real quick because I'm feeling kind of stupid. Um, the reason why Sifu Bob and I can't remember <laughs> when the dates are for the Masters Hall of Fame, even though we're on the board of directors, is is that there's two events this year. And uh, luckily, they're both in June. I think they're only like two weeks apart. One is June Fourth, I think that's the Texas one. Um, there's going to be one held in the San Antonio, Texas. Here, let me. <clears throat> I have a flyer somewhere. Uh, that's what I get for trying to announce something that I don't have information for. <laughs> I know, right, right in front of you. <laughs> right. For, okay, let's let's go. Let's go to the website. It's <laughs> so. If anyone out there wants to nominate their teacher. Um, or a colleague that has not already been nominated into the Masters Hall of Fame, please contact me, Ristina De Jesus, or Sifu Bob, Robert Deal. Find us on Facebook, okay, or email us at dynamic dojo radio host at gmail.com. We will take all of your suggestions and all your suggestions for uh, nominations and uh, we'll vet all the information and uh, put in that paperwork and uh, the people that you nominate will be contacted directly by the Masters Hall of Fame to uh, <clears throat> to see whether or not they, they want to accept the uh, nomination for the 2016 Masters Hall of Fame. So anyway, uh, June 4th in San Antonio, Texas, and the uh, keynote speaker is going to be Frank Dukes. At, um, for that one. And then a couple weeks later, June 18th in Columbus, Ohio, at the Sheraton Columbus Hotel, um, keynote speaker Alan Goldberg will be speaking there. So two events to choose from, uh, more in the middle of the of the nation and more toward, you know, the East Coast somewhere. So, you know, you guys get to choose. However, if you give us suggestions for people that you want to nominate, please include 
the, the please include the event that you want to nominate them for the Texas event on June 4th or the Columbus, Ohio event on June 18th. Please make sure you do that. So again, our email is dynamic dojo radio host at gmail.com. All right. I think that's it for announcements. So unless you've got other stuff, we can move on. Yes, let's. Okay, so I guess it's time for the health news. All right, so <laughs> so did you know, this is more like trivia instead of health news. This is more like science brain trivia. Did you know that, you know, all of those viral videos of cute dogs and cats and pandas and stuff like that, you know, those videos that make you go, oh, cuteness overload. Did you know that it's instinctive? To think that they're cute and watch them. And did you know it's good for you? All right. Well, I mean, did you know that, that it's actually good for you, that it's actually something that your brain, that it's good for your brain? Did you know that, Bob? No, I, no, I didn't, but I know it makes your brain go, <laughs> <laughs> It makes my brain, it actually makes me smarter. Anyway, <laughs> no, it's a, it's a matter of survival in a way. It's kind of like an instinct. Okay, because um, it's 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 been found by scientists that humans are instinctively attracted to anything that has features similar to those of an infant. So you know the large eyes, chubby cheeks, you know big big foreheads, and rounded features are what humans are attracted to. And <clears throat> these features, quote unquote, these features are so ingrained in us to respond to. Says. Um, psychologist Oriana Aragon, who is a psychologist at Yale. And uh, many scientists believe we're, we've developed this attraction in order to survive. Aragon explains, our survival depends on taking care of our young. It's part of our human species to respond to these features. And so when we see similar type features in animals, you know, the big eyes and big heads and little bodies, we react the same way we do with babies. In fact, <laughs> it's for real, you know, like baby pandas, and baby I don't know what, when they said when you just said big head, little bodies. I thought of you. Hey, <laughs> 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 hey, hey, I guess I'm cute. Whatever. Okay, so oh, marketers, <laughs> marketers, and designers have even applied those types of features to cars, cars, to get our attention. Think of the Volkswagen Beetle. Or the Mini Cooper, or I'm thinking also the uh, the Mazda. Which Mazda is it? The the one that's kind of crunched in a little bit, and it's kind of round and bubbly. There's a Mazda that uh, that looks like that. Anyway, <clears throat> so, and a Fiat. And a Fiat. That's right. Well, the Fiat looks squished. I think I drove one and I felt squished, but I ran. I rented one for uh when I when I went out to Oregon for Palm and I'm like, my gosh, this thing is small. Anyway, now getting your cute fix. Okay. Now, according to scientists, um, even though we're attracted to the cute factor, we aren't mindlessly blinded by this cute factor. In fact, studies have found that the pleasure centers of our brains are actually lighting up when we see something cute. Because there is a rush of dopamine to the brain. It's a response very similar, if not exact, to when we eat sugar or have sex. So if that's the case, I've been posting a lot of porn on my Facebook page. 
Yeah. Aragorn says it's a kind of vice. We want the cute things. There are entire things devoted to cuteness, said uh, Aragorn. Now, it's something that gives us pleasure and it makes us come back, like eating those uh, high-calorie rich foods um, in the early days. So seeing and caring for something cute acts in a similar manner in our brain. We see a cute baby and instinctively reach out to cuddle it or we go, oh, our brain gets a dopamine boost to reward us. And boom, we're happy. Now, there's also a weird side to the cute overload, okay? There's something called cute aggression, okay? Aragon has specifically studied cute aggression. That's that's kind of like the feeling when things are so cute, you just can't stand it. And you just want to pinch those cheeks, that kind of thing. And um, a number of languages actually have specific words to describe this sensation. So, for example, as Filipinos, we say gigil, which describes the urge to grit your teeth or just pinch those cute little cheeks. And the French say mignona coquer, which means uh, so cute you want to munch it. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> it's wow. in French. Okay, yeah. Now to test it, there there has been a test of this. To test it, Aragon and her team presented people with pictures of baby and adult versions of animals such as elephants, ducks, cats, puppies, you know, that kind of thing, right? Ninety participants viewed these pictures while holding bubble wrap. And when they viewed the baby animals, the participants popped more bubbles than when they viewed the adult animals. Weird. So there's a positive side and kind of a weird dark side to the cuteness overload. But just know, folks, that it's ingrained in us and it's instinctive. And apparently it's been uh, ingrained in us for our survival. So even if you try to hide it, it's still there. So booyah. <laughs> well, you, and do you know why they call it dopamine? I'm convinced because when you see something cute and cuddly and you want to cuddle it and kiss it and pinch the cheeks, there's a reason it starts with the word dope. <laughs> so that means that you stupid. So I so I guess that the, the the same thing like applies to sex too, or a big steak. Well, it does for guy. It does for guys. Guy, yeah, it, it, sex, yeah, guys, guys just dumb. Yeah, you guys go completely <laughs> stupid. When it comes to like oh. anything with oh boobs ah yeah, then you guys go completely like like duh drool duh 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 it's like really really oh and you know driving for lifts even though I'm my shop is in the car now getting fixed because my daughter crashed it but you know even driving for lifts I I tell a lot of my female passengers it's amazing guys tie their shoes in the morning. <laughs> That's why, if if you notice, a lot of husbands, if they're domineering or whatever, they'll they'll actually, if they're wearing a long sleeve shirt, they'll have their wife's button, their buttons for them on their sleeves. And I've done that with my wife, Mm -hmm. because sometimes if you're going to an event or something, you're really nervous, your hands aren't going to work. But they'll have the wives tie their shoes in the morning, not not because their wives are their slaves, because they just can't do it. (laughs) Oh. I'm sorry, man. I'm just so sorry. Anyway, (laughs) 
Now that should be weird news, but let's get on to the real weird news. <laughs> What's on the weird news docket today there, buddy? Huntington Beach, California. There is a gym down there that, that some some patrons may not be real happy with right now. Hmm. There's a, a group of people in the uh, Orange County area that rent out this gym and go all natural. Oh, so. They, yes, and okay. now they've got to stop going that way if they want to keep using this Huntington Beach city gym and pool. Since 2007, the Orange County Group has rented the facility for private gatherings at which members play basketball, volleyball, and swim, all while <laughs> naked. Wait, 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 wait. Basketball, yeah. volleyball? You mean things that involve jumping? <laughs> yes. What the and hell? The thing is, and, and <laughs> how, how, how am I going to get through this? And some of the time... <laughs> Sorry, yes, I just got this, I got I got this weird picture in my head of these guys playing volleyball without their hands. With that, with that, no, just playing ball and jumping, spiking, and you know, in the net right there, you know, without their hands, you can rip stuff off that way, getting caught in a net. Anyway, oh god, you had to go there. Oh my god. Yes. I'm sitting yes. here crying. <laughs> <laughs> and don't forget the MMA well, classes over there, you know, naked. That's right. Well, and of course, when the women are walking around, you can never tell when they're they're excited. But when the guys are walking around, the girls are going, well, it's 12 o'clock by that sundial. No, technically you can anyway. <laughs> okay. Oh, on, oh. Let's, on, keep, let's keep going yes. on. La, 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 la. This is going in weird places. It's okay. going south fast. It's going south. Let's go. <laughs> uh, the Orange County Registered Reports of Gathering came in at the end of September after the city manager Fred Wilson signed a regulation banning gymnasium nudity. <laughs> Wilson says it was too difficult for city employees to go to get their work done in the presence of naked people. The nudists <laughs> are asking. <laughs> oh my god! Oh, okay. The <laughs> nudists are laughing are like we are. <laughs> I know. <laughs> The nudists are asking the city council the city council to rescind their order. Council members heard their complaints Tuesday, but they took no action because the issue wasn't on the agenda. Hmm. It's like <laughs> I don't know how I made it through that story. Uh, <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah. All, all I can picture was was all these these uh uh, city employees sitting around behind the, behind their desks, and the, the naked women come up and ask them a question. Their desks just start to elevate. <laughs> oh, 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 you suck. Oh, 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 oh you suck. Oh. Oh, oh, God. You know, I, I, I'm still laughing at, like, you know, thinking about, you know, Guys playing volleyball and things like flapping around everywhere. 
<laughs> you gotta tie that crap down, man. All right. I know the women and the women getting black eyes. I know, right? <laughs> exactly. All right, let's move on. Entertainment news. Woo! We're gonna need a break after this. this. <laughs> I know, right? This is a little too perfect. You remember a couple of weeks ago, Al, I mentioned that the Playboy Mansion was up for sale. Yeah, yeah, a couple of weeks ago. But 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 uh, um, Hugh Hefner had to stay in it. That was his that was his thing, wasn't it? That was his thing. He stays in the mansion, and when they're they're showing the mansion, they're not allowed in Hefner's room. Mm-hmm. Guess who wants? I'll give you a guess on who wants to buy the mansion. One of his competitors. <gasps> Oh, Very famous. The, dude from, the dude from Hustler, Larry Flint. Yes, Larry oh Flint. Hustler Honcho, Larry Flint, buying Playboy Mansion and giving his arch enemy. It's called arch enemy. This is an honest guy. You have to huh. the boot, but it's reported exactly what could happen. Flint's huh. Hustler's exec want to make an offer on the mansion, according to the NY Daily News. <laughs> but... He wants Hef out of the place. As hmm. as TMZ first reported, the mansion is on the market for $200 million. And there's a clause in the, sa- in the sale that allows Hef to remain in his crib until he dies. Huh. The buyer just has to wait. Team uh-huh. Hustler thinks <clears throat> it's, good, it's a good fit for its staff, and more importantly, its parties. We got Flint last week, and he claimed he'd have zero interest in the iconic pad. Maybe his execs convinced him to change his mind. Either way, our real estate sources say there's potentially a huge snag. Hef has to approve the purchaser. And oh. we chances are slim to none. He'll give Flint the thumbs up. Yeah, if if Hef has, has to approve it, it'll never happen. Right, exactly. Now, okay, what I want to know is, so does Hugh Hefner, is his bedroom basically an apartment? Is that, what, is that what's going on? Because, you know, I, I'm yeah. thinking, I'm thinking, you know, bedroom, right? I'm like, I, there's no way that I'd be able to live in my bedroom and not come out as long as people are living there. You know, I mean, uh, you know, bully, bully for them if 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 they agree to, hey, come on out anytime you want, you know, blah blah blah, have parties anytime you want, blah blah blah, you know, yay, you know, he's a roommate, you know, it, that would be great if he found somebody to do that, right? But then I have to right. stop and think. This exactly. is Hugh Hefner. He's probably got like the equivalent of like a four, five bedroom apartment, like on one of the floors, right? <laughs> I mean, that's true. How cool, that's true. how, oh, how cool is you, that? You know, I wanted to bring this up. You, you mentioned something about the uh, uh, Fiat. Yes. One of their commercial. It's so stupid. It's funny. They're coming out with a larger Fiat. So they're showing this, this older guy and his wife, they want to get a little amorous towards each other, a little frisky. So this mm-hmm. guy pops a Viagra. Okay. He misses his mouth. 
it falls <laughs> down two, two flights over the balcony and into the gas tank of the Fiat, and the Fiat gets bigger. <laughs> you know, I think I might actually have a copy of that commercial. It, uh, I think it's uh, the official 2015 Fiat 500X Super Bowl commercial. Um, I'll have to watch it later. <laughs> oh, and I looked it up. You're right. This is the year of the monkey. Oh, awesome. Very cool. So it's uh, going to be the year of the hull, the monkey. Right on. So, all right. Well, um, I think that's I think that's it for entertainment. So, with that said, let's go ahead and take a break. We're going to need a break after all that joking around about Hugh Hefner and naked people. <laughs> yes. And, yes. And oh. we, yeah, I know. And when we come back, we promise we're gonna we're gonna go a little serious here, and we want to discuss uh, martial arts for those with special needs. Um, in this episode's case, we're going to be talking uh, specifically about uh, autism, people in the autism <clears throat> spectrum, and how martial arts um, can uh, be very helpful for them. So don't go away, people. We'll be right back after If you own a gun, you have a full-time responsibility. When you aren't using it, be sure it can't get into the hands of curious children, troubled teenagers, a thief, or anyone else who might misuse it. Your family, friends, and neighbors are all counting on you. Remember, always lock it up. For more information on firearm storage safety, visit ncpc.org. This message brought to you by the National Crime Prevention Council, the Bureau of Justice Assistance, and the Ad Council. Dear parents, much of what we learn in this world comes directly from you. Whatever your message is, it will become part of us forever. Please teach us to accept one another. Teach us to respect one another. Please, do not fill our minds with hatred. Do not expose us to bigotry. Do not teach us to judge each other by race, religion, orientation, or the color of our skin. Teach us the concept of tolerance. Teach us to understand one another. Teach us to accept people of different cultures and persons with different beliefs than yours. Please help us to create a world where every man, woman, and child is treated equally. Dear parents, please don't teach us words of hate. We learn from you every moment. If you use certain words which might be hurtful to others, we will repeat that word. Please don't show us acts of hate. If you act against people of different faiths, we will repeat your actions. Dear parents, we are your children. And we are relying on you to help us create a world where every person is tolerant of one another. Inside this little Burbank building, this is the first museum in the world dedicated to martial arts. It, it really reflects on the style and the, the philosophy of each and every different culture. White eyebrow kung fu, monkey kung fu, the animal styles, Shaolin. Talking about the ninja here. Japan had the samurai. Here we go into our Korean section. In fact, every corner of Asia and the Pacific has its own martial arts. It'll be an absolute shame if one day you ask a kid and he doesn't know who Bruce Lee is. From the history of the Japanese samurai to the artistry of anime, enjoy a look into Asian culture by visiting the Martial Arts History Museum in Burbank. Hi, this is Frank Duke. This is T.J. Douglas Wong. Hi, this is Kumu Lua, Michelle Manu, and you're listening to Rosita and Bob on the Dynamic Dojo Radio Show. The only place to be to get the real scoop on the real things that are going on in the martial arts world. 
you have an idea for a guest or a topic that you'd like to hear on the Dynamic Dojo Talk radio show, if you do, you can email your suggestions and ideas to dynamicdojoradiohost at gmail.com or you can also post it on the Dynamic Dojo Facebook page. You're listening to the Dynamic Dojo Show with Restita and Robert, your source for martial arts talk radio. All right, and we are back. This is Dynamic Dojo Talk Radio with Restita and Robert. Our phone number here is 347-677-0699. And we have a chat board underneath our Blog Talk Radio show marquee. So if you're getting uh, to this show from Facebook, um, I think you can listen to the show directly from Facebook, but instead click the link directly. It'll take you to Blog Talk Radio on our broadcast page. And uh, you'll see our marquee playing live. And uh, just scroll down a little bit and find our chat board, and uh, you can join the conversation there if you'd uh, if you'd like. So <clears throat> give us a call if you're a martial arts instructor that has classes for those with special needs, or if you're a teacher or a paraeducator or a therapist or anyone else that or a parent of a child. With uh, that falls within the autism spectrum or um, any of the special needs in the sensory processing, um, give us a call. We'd love to hear from you because, um, you know, we'd really like to talk about um, activities that really help your child or that uh, help someone that you know with sensory processing um, difficulties. All right. <clears throat> so first off, um, I, uh, sorry if I'm a little distracted. I was uh, I just found out from Sifu Bob that um, I'm the only one with show notes, and apparently he didn't get the notes. Did did the notes get to you, Bob? At all? Oh, uh, you know what, Bob? I need to put on. I got the link. He sent me. Yeah. Oh, okay, good. All right. So, what I want to start off with, though, since we're talking about um, autism, right? Um, I kind of want to start off with the uh, like things things people should know um about autism and um there's there's many myths about autism and uh we're going to get into some of those because you know we kind of want to nip some stuff in the bud when it comes to the to the myths okay now people that have this condition that we know as autism um fall within what we call the spectrum meaning varying degrees because there isn't just one type of autism Right. There's like varying degrees and varying um, skills and limitations that each person with autism has. Um, So uh, I just want to kind of throw out a couple things um, out there um, that that would allow people to understand people with with autism a little bit better. Okay. now uh, problems with social interaction are very common with those. With autism. Now, it's not always like that, folks. I mean, it's not like they're just going to sit there and not, not talk to anyone. It's not like that. There's, Like I said, there's varying degrees. Okay. Um, now, in children with autism, it, it's, it's common in some that impaired social interaction is a trait that is commonly uh, um, displayed. But there's a wide range of behaviors in kids with autism can have a can have varying combinations of symptoms 
so now in addition to well-known symptoms such as lack of language skills, failing to make eye contact, and a lack of response to their name, there are a number of symptoms in varying degrees that may indicate having an ASD um, or uh, autism syndrome um, as, as a child gets older. So one of these is an inability to interact socially or make friends with other kids. Now, again, there are several, several, uh, there are many degrees. I mean, you know, I know a lot of, you know, autistic kids that have great social skills. You know, we call those, you know, very high functioning. Anyway, uh, lack of normal conversational skills, i.e. starting or continuing a conversation, uh, repeating phrases or repeating things from memory instead of coming up with original statements, um, obsessive compulsive tendencies such as having to line up objects in a certain way or being incapable of deviating from a routine. Now, these are just some. And these are uh, these ones that I just talked about are the most common. Um, that's not to say that all kids with autism will have these these traits. So I just want to make sure everyone knows that. There, like I said, there is no one description for, you know, what an autism, autism child or an autism adult is, okay? Now, although language problems are often cited as an indicator for autism, it's important for us to know that not all children with autism struggle with their language skills. It it kind of depends on where they fall in the spectrum. Asperger Asperger syndrome is a is a ASD or a autism spectrum disorder where the child generally has normal language development and skills, but struggles in other areas such as social interactions. Advanced degrees focused on autism can help uh, can help teachers decipher the nuances of the spectrum. Okay. Now, <clears throat> let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about um, how uh, autis- uh, aut- autistic people can be overstimulated. Now, another common theme with kids who have autism is that they can become easily overwhelmed by sensory sensory stimuli. I can't even say it. Um, and they, and they can't process it as other children would because, okay, let me, let me back up a little bit here. Um, you know, a, a, a few years ago, I heard an adult talk about another child who, uh, of a child with autism and, uh, and basically described um, the kid is, uh, uh, well, basically they were using words that, that would not be very appropriate, you know, like the R word, right? Um, and, and stuff like that. And it's like, really? Come on. You know, and I, I heard this and I went, you know, are you serious? Do you, do you even know what autism is? Do you even know what it is? Do you even know what Asperger's syndrome is? No, you know, and, and I'm like, well, Apparently, you think that, you know, anyone with autism is developmentally disabled. They're not disabled. They just have a different perception of reality. And your perception of reality makes me want to kick you in the head. (laughs) And I I left it at that. (laughs) And it's like, wow, you know, and, and but that's a common thing. A lot of people do think that autism is a, a a developmentally disabling thing, you know, um, and people throwing around the R word and people throwing, you know, throwing around all sorts of like, 
nasty names and descriptions and stuff like that. It's like, come on, folks. You know, it's just a different different take on their on how they perceive reality. That's it. That's all. All right. Yeah, but so, th- think about think about it this way. Well, think about when we were growing up. That that was how it was perceived. We yeah. there there was so no autism back then. We didn't know anything. So we yeah we didn't know about it. We said it was retardation, and yeah. we didn't know anything back then. Yeah, and, and the R word was like their first name. Yeah, and and you know back then also we didn't know the difference between actual developmentally disabled people like you know uh like developmentally um stunted at birth or you know while in the room we didn't we didn't know the difference between that and what we now know as Asperger's syndrome or um or the autism spectrum no, nobody knew so yeah people were 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 throwing that that word around you know but what what bothers me more now is that you know kids now you know call each other retard when people are just being stupid and it's just like really come on but that's going to be a different show. <laughs> that's going to be a different show. Okay, let's move on. Um, now, this is something that I've noticed. In my years of teaching kids within the spectrum, I've taught many kids within the spectrum, including kids with uh, Asperger's and varying degrees of autism. And I've noticed that they tend to be very visual-oriented learners. Um, and uh, <clears throat> And that's when I learned that, you know, just because – kids have autism and might struggle with language or might struggle with um with uh recognizing social cues like uh people do it doesn't mean that that you can't communicate with them okay um many of the kids that i've taught like i said are visual highly visual learners and um i found that using you know visual examples and using visual and uh, and also sensory activities where they can use their hands and feel the 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 surface of things that they're going to be using i found that stuff like that you know helped me get get through to some of these to some of these kids and um and this is something that i want to talk to other martial arts instructors about if they want to call in and uh they ha- and if you have classes for uh, uh kids in the autism spectrum, please call us. We'd like to talk with you. Um, and we'd like to see how you can turn other activities into visual activities. So that's that's the key. That's one of the keys that I've found um, helps me with the autistic kids here at my own here at my own school. All right. So um now early diagnostic benefits treatment. That didn't make sense. Hold on. Let me, I said that wrong. Early diagnosis benefits treatment. There we go. Now, according to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, one out of 88 children under 10 years, under 10 years old has an autism spectrum disorder. Okay. One out of 88. One out of 88, you guys. Okay. Which works out to be slightly more than 1% of all kids. Boys are four times more likely than girls to be autistic. And for this reason, it's incredibly important for you as a teacher, whether, you know, a teacher in school, if you're a paraeducator or a martial arts teacher, to watch the signs of autism of, of, of autism in your students. Now, once a child is diagnosed, and the sooner they start getting into speech therapy, um, social training, and uh, other therapy, 
the they'll be more success uh, the more successful that their treatment will be okay um now let's so let's move on to like older kids teens now teens with autism often encounter depression and have behavioral problems as they go through adolescence i mean let's think about it folks right you know as teens we go through hell anyway we go through that phase where nothing's good enough i hate my parents you know uh, uh, emotional roller coaster and this and that and the other okay on top of that if you're a teen with autism it can it can be it can be pretty tough so secondary special education teachers should pay close attention to their autistic teens okay um because you know it could uh make or break a change in their treatment that might be needed or adjusted to help them get through that difficult time in their life and being a positive role model and a positive influence can make a lasting impact on any of your students' lives that have ASD. All right. So that's just some things about autism. Um, and uh, that kind of like segues us into some of the myths about autism. Um, and, again, I just want to give our phone, num- our phone number out for anyone that wants to uh, call in. If you're a parent of an autistic child or a, a teacher, a martial art teacher with uh, classes for people with special needs, give us a call, 347-677-0699. All right, so, Bob, hey, are you, are you like, outside or something like that? No, I Oh, because I'm hearing, like, this, this, like, hissing noise in the background. It, it, it almost sounds like you're almost out of range of Wi-Fi. Okay. Oh, no, it's no, weird. not at all. No, okay. me and my wife developed this little leak. Oh, <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Oh, and just so you know and 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 only Bob knows what I'm talking about. He opened my response email. Okay. So <laughs> What? So only <laughs> I was I told the listeners only Bob knows what I'm talking about right now. He opened my response email. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay, so he knows what I'm talking about. All right, so now let's get into some of the myths about autism. And I'm going to start because I hear this all the time, right? And it drives me up the wall. It's when people think that autism is caused by bad parenting. Let me tell you something. (laughs) Let me tell you something, folks, okay? As the auntie of someone that we're still trying to figure out what's going on, okay, um, it's not something that is that is a product of bad parenting, okay? And I know this for a fact. It's not like, oh, somebody has Asperger's syndrome because someone's a bad parent. Or it's not like some kid makes up this crap and makes themselves mentally ill because of bad parenting. I mean, do people, you know, do have emotional problems and stuff like that because of bad parenting? Yes. But in the case of the autism spectrum disorders, it's not, uh, autism is not caused by bad parenting or cold parents. Now, back in the 50s, I think it was the 50s, 
or the early 60s, or even as far back as the 40s, it was once believed that autism was caused by, quote unquote, cold mothers, mothers who did not love their children and caused their children to become withdrawn and unresponsive. That's a myth. It's a myth. And scientists have now confirmed that it's a neurodevelopmental disorder. It's not, you know, a cause and effect thing. Okay. And uh, with uh, it's a neurodevelopmental disorder with what are thought to be genetic and perhaps environmental origins. Now, I'm not going to go into the whole like, oh, you know, vaccines cause autism. I'm not even going to get into that because that's actually part of our myths. <laughs> We're going to get into that later. Now, what are some other myths that you've heard of? Have you heard of any other myths about, about autism? autism? No, but I want to go into what you just said. The, the schools are definitely jacked up. For example, right. they'll tell your kids certain things like 9-11, for example. So, for example, they told my son, because he was in first grade, I think, at the time, that mm-hmm. New York had a tornado. Okay? Tornado okay. touched down New York. Okay. Now, my daughter comes up to me and asks me a question when she's eight years old, almost ten years ago. Mm-hmm. And I said no. And she looks at me. Now, this is eight years old. I don't know where she heard this from. She looks at me and she says, well, that's just bad parenting. I'm like, what? What? <laughs> where, where did she even know that term? I'll show you no. bad parenting. You want to go through? If I would have ever said that to my father, I would have been missing teeth. <laughs> right. Now, what did she ask you? Like, you know, can I go I to the park? Because or... something, something like that. Something that, mm-hmm. that, you know, it's not like, can I have dinner? And I said, no. You know? Right, right, It right. was something simple. Either I didn't have time or, or, or it cost too much money or whatever it was uh-huh. but then she comes up with this bad parenting crap oh see okay see and, and that's the thing you know it's like oh you know when it I'm, I'm only gonna i'm only gonna apply this to how people think about autism i see too many people look down their nose at parents with uh low functioning autistic kids now a lot of um, of the autistic kids that um, are, I guess, like lower functioning autistic kids, you know, that have very poor impulse control, um, tend to um, hit when they're frustrated or, or tend to lash out or yell or bite, scream, have a temper tantrum and stuff like that. Um, you know, a lot of people look at those kids and automatically blame the parents. Okay, now let me tell those parents that are looking down their nose something. Let me tell you something, and I want these parents to listen, okay, because, like I said, I come from, I I, I, I know this, you know, through experience, okay? Um, It has nothing to do with the parent, okay? If a kid is a low, is a low function, is low functioning in the spectrum, they don't have coping skills to be able to deal with frustration, nor do they have the the capability to express through words what they're frustrated about, okay. Um, so when they get frustrated, yeah, they'll kick, they'll scream, they'll they'll bite, they'll tear your hair out, they'll punch, you know that kind of thing. And I tell you what, you know, when you get a kid that is having a uh, having a temper tantrum like that, they are about as strong as a fully grown adult. 
All right. And you don't want to get punched by someone like that. You know, uh, you know, I've worked in the in the field and in, in schools and stuff like that with um, with autistic kids too, teaching martial arts. And, you, you know, you probably think to yourself, now, why would you want to teach a kid who hits, bites, you know, and yells and screams out of anger? Why would you want to teach them martial arts? Hang on, folks. We'll get to that. Okay. <laughs> we'll get to that. Um, it has nothing to do with the parent. You know, like one time I was at a movie, Bob, it was like years ago. And, uh, and uh, a mom was with a kid at this movie. And the kid started like squirming in the seat and yelling and screaming. And the, the it took every, the woman was being so patient and like talking to him and hushed tones and, you know, just being very motherly. And the kid just would not have it, you know? And I started to hear people behind me saying, get that kid out of here. You know, little brat, that would never happen in my house. And, you know, people down the road, I'd slap that kid silly. You know, that kid needs a spanking. You know, that lady needs to discipline her child. You know, how dare she bring in a crazy child like that? You know, and I just couldn't, I I was like, really? Really? And then when she finally brought the kid out, I could tell kid was in the autism spectrum. It was obvious to me. And I kind of looked at her and I gave her this look like, you know, I'm so sorry. You know, I'm so sorry. And, um, you know, she left and people were still mumbling about, you know, if that were my kid, I'd slap that kid silly, blah, 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 blah. And I just wanted to turn around and just shout at the top of my lungs. It has nothing to do with that woman being a bad parent. You know, and, and, oh yeah, sure. You know, let's, let's slap a kid then that, that won't know why they're being slapped. That'll help. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh my gosh. So, you know, parents, you know, if you're a parent, you know, and you don't have a child with autism, be thankful. However, you know, don't cast a judgmental eye on other, on other kids' parents. And, you know, don't think that it's bad parenting, okay? Because I, I assure you, judgmental parents, that if you had a kid with autism, you would do no better. And guess what? Other parents are going to think you're a sucky parent too. So, you know, just 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 think about that. You, you, you have no clue. Think about that, parents. There's that. Wanted to put that myth to rest, <laughs> that it's not bad <laughs> parenting. <laughs> All right. Um so so you haven't heard of any other myths of uh autism? No. Okay. Nope. Well, I've heard that some people actually think that autism is like a disease that you can take medication for and that it can be cured. And that's a myth. Okay. And uh, there's a lot of like snake oil therapies and medicines out there an alternative, you know, whatever, right, that have been touted as, quote, unquote, possible cures for autism, including diets, vitamins, um, and I can't even say this, chelation. It's a process which supposedly removes mercury from the body but includes potentially deadly liver and kidney damage and its side effects. Oh, awesome. Gee whiz. Nice. So I know, but the reality is that there is no cure for autism. Um, but 
it is true that intensive behavioral treatment can help kids develop communication and social skills that they might be lacking in. Medicine can also be effective uh, but not to treat the core symptoms of autism, but to reduce problematic behaviors such as violent tantrums. So, you know, it's, you know, the, the whole thing about, hey, you know, I know of a way that can heal autism. You know, well, you know, unless you can, you know, take that therapy like down into the womb you know, because it, cause it's a develop, it, it, it is a, it's a, you know, neurodevelopmental disorder. Unless you can, you know, heal all of those, you know, neurons and brain cells or whatever, then, you know, come on. You know, there, it, right now there is no cure. Um, so anyway. Okay. Now the next big one, autism is caused by vaccines. That's another big one. <laughs> okay. Wow. Ever since really? the, I know. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. That's why a lot of parents are like, you know, are refusing to vaccinate their kids because they think it's going to cause autism, right? Basically, I mean, let's think about this. I'm not going to vaccinate my kid. I am not going to protect my kid from potentially deadly diseases because I don't want my child to have autism. When in reality, what's probably going on through their head is. I don't want to deal with having a child with autism. Or in some people's heads, I don't want a child who is mentally retarded. That's kind of what I think is going through some people's heads, right? Oh, I'm only going to do this to protect my kid. Well, I'm sorry. There are there are diseases out there that could kill your child if you're not vaccinated, okay? Now, there was a paper, a scientific paper that was published in the late 1990s. I forget when. I remember when it came out. I just don't remember what year it was. Um, and uh, the the paper suggested that there was a link be- between childhood vaccine vaccinations and autism. And it was almost immediately debunked scientifically, but people kept believing it, that, that vaccines caused autism. Now, right, as of now... There has been and there is no evidence that autism and vaccines are linked in any way, but the idea has undermined parents' confidence in the safety of vaccines. Now, you know, there's, believe it or not, Bob, there's a lot of unvaccinated children out there. Okay. I believe it. Yeah, a lot of uh, unvaccinated children, and it's causing outbreaks of childhood diseases that were previously under control. I mean, come on, you know, if, you know, if there's going to be an outbreak of measles somewhere, it's because some kid was unvaccinated, you know? Right. Um, Yeah. I mean, come on, you know, diphtheria, you know? Oh, you know, your kid's unvaccinated. Oh, okay. Now my kid has it. Gee, thanks. So, yeah. So, you know, so that's a myth. Um, and again, it's been debunked, it had been debunked, but apparently people are not catching that. So, yeah. Now, speaking of outbreaks of diseases, there's another myth that, that autism is an epidemic. Okay. <laughs> All right. You know where I'm going to go with this, right? I'm going to oh, yeah, say that yeah. 
Autism is not something that you catch like a cold, folks. Okay. Yes, there has been a surge in diagnoses. Okay. And it's actually jumped up 1,800% since 1992. That's a big But it's surge. not a virus. It's not a virus. It's just a surge in the diagnoses. Okay. Right. Now, um, 1,800% from 1992, right? But experts question whether um, increase reflects a higher incidence of the disorder or rather increased public awareness of the symptoms of autism, more media attention, and better diagnostic tools. That's kind of what I think it is. Now, some experts also attribute the increase in the redefinition of autism, which includes a wider range of individuals on the spectrum. Okay, that's another possibility as to why people think it's an epidemic um, in diagnoses, that kind of thing. So, you know, there you go. Okay, now, now here's another myth, okay? All kids with autism are good at math and memorization. So the myth is is that everyone's like the rain man. That's Right, that's I was just going to say that, yeah. right. Yeah, it, the myth is that all kids with autism are like the rain man. Well, you know, the rain man, I forgot his real name, um, somebody remind me um you know he was he he was somewhere in the spectrum that you know there like like we said earlier there's so many degrees within the spectrum and the rain man is was just in one degree in that spectrum okay um now uh there's that term savant right and uh, uh that yeah. refers to someone that's otherwise mentally challenged but can calculate huge numbers in their heads or have photographic memories or have incredible musical talent or what have you, right? Uh, but all of these stories and incidents kind of give us a false impression that all children with autism have these God-given skills. Now, most children on the spectrum, even the highest functioning, don't show all that extraordinary math talent. However, what is true is that children with an ASD exhibit intense interests in particular subjects and may accrue a great deal of information, skill, and ability to process that information about that hobby. Okay, I'm going I'm to call it a hobby because, uh, you know, the, I've heard of kids that are intense. They get, like, so intense about fences. I've heard of kids that really like fences you know, the different styles of fences and, and, and the surfaces of fences. You know, something that we go, it's a fence, so what? You know, but, you know, right. I tell you what, when, when they get focused on that, you know, um, you know, a, a lot of these kids have incredibly high IQs. When they get focused on that, you know, the creative sense really starts to blossom out of that. And we're going to get into that a little bit more when we talk about martial arts. Okay. Another myth is uh, kids with autism have no feelings. And it's not it's not so much that kids with autism don't have feelings. It's just that it, it, the skills that are involved in expressing and communicate communicating those feelings and the ability to recognize those feelings in others are, are the, those skills aren't developed quite yet. However, you know, training, social training and um therapeutic uh, therapeutic training and stuff like that can allow um, autistic kids to literally learn how to be social. So there we go. Um, and uh, 
the last one I can really think of is that all kids with autism are mentally challenged uh, or have cognitive de deficits, quote unquote. Um, now, that's not to say that like that there aren't some kids that that have co cognitive impairments. Of course, there are. You know, because again, there's so many degrees on the spectrum. Um, however, many on the high functioning end do not. And cognitive deficits aren't really part of the ASD diagnosis. So there you go. Those are just some of the myths of um, of autism. And uh, the biggest one that I wanted to get out there was that um, that autism was caused by bad parenting and that autism is something that you catch, right? Oh, I don't want Johnny near little Timmy because Timmy's autistic. I don't want Johnny to get autistic too. Really, that that doesn't it doesn't happen that way, everyone. So you know, chill out. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So three four seven six seven seven zero six nine nine. That's our phone number. I think uh, I think everyone's going out and having a having a Sunday because I know here in Seattle it was a sunny day here in Seattle and it was kind of warm for for January. So I think everybody's out and about. <laughs> Out and about and not here. <laughs> All right. Um, so let's let's get into martial arts and uh and uh autism. So I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you this question, Bob. Okay, what are some things about martial arts that you feel would be beneficial to kids within the autism spectrum? Uh one is focus. Yes. Definitely. One is uh, motor skill. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Definitely. They have to be talked to a certain way because one of the things I notice about maybe an autistic child, no matter where they sit on the spectrum, they will fight authority. You know this. So they, they're, they've got to be very delicately handled on the disciplinary side. Right, right. It's a... Uh... It, well, it depends. It depends, right? Because um, I've met plenty of mm -hmm. kids that are that are high functioning that you would never know that they're autistic. The only thing that they the only thing that they don't get is like the little social cues, you know, like like right. they don't get it when when teens like don't want you around. They don't get what an eye roll eye roll means. Um, but that's not to say that all kids will all autistic kids will fight authority. Okay. Um, is there no, a proportion of them? It's a, it's a spectrum. It's a, the, the, where they fall in on the spectrum. Because yeah, if they're yeah. high functioning, they're not. But if they're right. low functioning, they may. Yeah, exactly. Because it, again, it is all about the. It, it is about their perception of reality, and a lot of times that reality is them. And if you if if they don't get what they want, then they get frustrated, and they'll fight the authority that that's according to them, making them not get what they need, not what they, you know, and not get what they right. want and stuff like that. Exactly. Uh, but definitely not all, not all kids. And you, you are absolutely right. Motor control, um, uh, you know, movement and uh, the, 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 the whole gamut. Um, now, you know, having taught aut autistic kids since 1991, um, I've noticed that it's all about the structure. 
It's all about the structure because, you know, a lot of times when uh, kids, especially on the low-functioning end, when they get frustrated, it's because it's that it's that weird anxiety. It's kind of like a weird anxiety thing when you don't know what's happening. You don't understand why things aren't going the way that's 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 normal and comfortable and comforting for them. So you know, new situations can be can be kind of you know stressful for some autistic kids. Um, but in a martial arts school, you know, after they get you know, introduced to the routine. Like, for example, you always bow at the entrance of the dojo. You always bow. There's no missing it. You always bow. Okay, that's something that could keep them, that that gives them that, that, that kind of like latch onto something that's, that's normal and comforting and I know what's going to happen next. You know what I mean? Um, right, yeah. And, and, you know, and back then, all my classes were kind of the same. It was always kata and sparring or self-defense. It was always in that order, but everything was different, you know, in those categories of class time, but it was always like that. Okay. The, the, the words were always the same for everything. Nothing changed. My Getty was my Getty, right? Seiken ski was Seiken right. ski, right? There was no difference like, Oh, well that's a, that's a flip kick. There wasn't like 50 names for one kick, right? And I found that as long as I kept that consistent and kept that quote-unquote traditional aspect of teaching, but still being very fun, being very engaging, right, uh, really helped a lot of the, the autistic kids on top of ADD and ADHD kids, right? Um I, I went through like a couple a couple of years where, like one of my juniors classes, I kid you not, was all ADD, ADHD, and autistic kids, and wow. um, yeah, and I spent two and you know I was uh, I was working for Morningside Academy at the time, and I and and I got on this big kick about uh, researching the autism spectrum and uh, para para education um, type of techniques and. <laughs> And ways to hold your voice and ways to approach teaching a physical skill to someone with autism or someone with ADD or someone with ADHD, I, I became obsessed with it, you know, with with reading about it because I wanted to help these kids. Yeah, I know, right? So, you know, you know what, you know what, uh, what uh, Guru Cheryl used to say. She used to say, you know, us martial artists, it takes a special kind of person. I think we're all kind of ADD and ADHD. We're all a little obsessive compulsive. If you look at every martial artist out there that is that has reached a master level, we're all kind of obsessive compulsive. And I'm like, I, if you might be right. <laughs> Some more than others, but, you know, you might be right. But anyway, okay, back to the subject. Um, so um, the... My point being that um, getting back to the teaching, and um, you know, and again, I'd like to hear from other instructors out there that teach um, classes for kids with special needs, whether it's autism spectrum um, or any other type of special need. Uh, give us a call three four seven six seven seven zero six nine nine, or get us on the chat board, or if you find us on Facebook, you know, go under one of our. Uh, 
one of our announcements and uh, um, type questions in there. Okay. Um, now, uh, a little bit about traditional training, though. Um, the important thing I found – what did you drop? Nothing. <laughs> oh, okay. It sounded like something dropped. It was like – like that. But anyway um, – the 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 important thing about the traditional training is to keep the curriculum. However, however, the atmosphere of the traditional training should not be stressful at all. All right. So you know, in the adults class, you know, where I normally bark at people or you know, like, you know, get down on that stance, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, what is that? That's not a push up, you know, that kind of thing. Not you know if I bark, you know, you and I know that that's old school, right? You know, you you just take it, you know, and you know, not that I ever abuse my students verbally, but it's like I'm very strict when it comes to hey, you know, that's you know, get with it, stop, you know, don't be lazy today, come on, you know, chop chop, let's go. Um, that kind of teaching though does not work with any kid much less autistic kids. Okay. Now there and there's a reason there's a reason why, right? This is just a theory. I don't know if it's scientifically tested, okay? Young kids, I found, right? Having taught kids from as young as 3 all the way up until 18, young kids go through a phase, a developmental phase that I've seen all these years where you know, they will learn when they enjoy learning. Right? I mean, if it's fun, right? I mean, doesn't that make sense? Right? If it's fun, they're going to learn it and they're never going to forget it. Oh, yeah. However, however, if the learning becomes, uh, if the learning is based on, oh, I have to do push-ups because I did something wrong. Like, I did this punch wrong. I got to do push-ups. Right? Then then it's really not going to give them a positive experience to want to learn that. They're going to go to mom and dad and go, I want to quit. I don't like karate anymore. Right. So all that barking and yelling and screaming at kids, you know, it just doesn't work. And if you have an autistic kid in there, you're asking, especially a low functioning one, you're going to ask for trouble because you're going to instill the fact that yelling at people is going to get you what you want. And uh, and in that age group for even regular kids, you know, between six and eight, that's, well, I'd say maybe five, four, four and a half, five to eight. That's the, that's the period I found, at least in martial arts, where, you know, you really have to make sure that the classes are age appropriate, okay, and mentally appropriate for everyone in your class. And that includes ADD, ADHD, Asperger's, everyone in the autism uh, spectrum, uh, people, even people with, um, you know, developmental disabilities and stuff like that. And then from like nine to 13, they begin to get it. They begin to get, hey, you know, when you're old enough, you know, you you can handle the the tough training, and this is the tough training that'll get you your black belt in this particular art. And Sifu's not mad at me; she's just being strict. She wants the best out of me, and if I'm being lazy, she's going to call me out on it. They begin to get that, 
And that's when you can actually go, you know, if you're that type of teacher, that's when you can actually teach in a more, quote-unquote, traditional method. So, oh, push-ups, give me, you know, give me 10 because, you know, you talked out a turn or whatever, right? Um, but anytime before that, they're not going to, they're not going to get that. I mean, I still, I still see that in my tiny tigers class. If someone does something wrong, I'll always try, well, you know what, you know, you broke that rule, you know, it's time to do push-ups. Well, then everyone does push-ups because all they're doing is following instructions. They don't get it. So it's, um, you know, it's, it's important for martial arts instructors to know you can't, you know, you can't run a traditional, traditional martial arts class with the yelling and the, and the, you know, helper stick, definitely no helper stick. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Right. And definitely no, like, um, you know, yelling at, yelling at, uh, yelling at people that they're, they're doing it wrong and stuff like that. And, uh, it's just, it's, it's, it's just not going to work. And you're going to instill, behaviors in autistic kids that you think you're you're improving but you're not you're instilling behaviors such as you know hey if i if i want to get what i want i'm going to i'm going to i'm going to have to shout like i'm angry and if someone does something wrong at least what i think is wrong for me uh they deserve a punishment and that's what and we, and you don't want that with a child whose reality is perceived a lot differently than ours. So remember that, martial arts instructors. So, yeah, it's um, it, it it's in, just incredible how, uh, you know, some people like forget that, you know, and we'll just oh yeah we do we do classes for kids with special needs and here no you you gotta get anyway sorry. You can't. I've even I've even heard of st- of schools that will not promote people to black belt because they cannot use their legs, because they cannot show a Zen Kutsudachi, wow. because they can't show you know Yiji Yongma or whatever, right? You know, uh, or you know, well they can't they can't do chain punchings. So, you know, well you don't get black belts in Wing Chun, do you? Do you? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Oh, do you? The okay. Black, black, yeah. You know, I, and but it's primarily like you know, I've 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 heard of few schools that nope can't do a black belt because they can't show all of the skills. Okay, well, I kind of I see where they're coming from because if you're gonna get a black belt, you got to show the skills. Of course, we get that, but right. you know, the way I see it is, you know, if I've got a kid in a wheelchair because he lost his legs to polio or something, right? If I got a kid in a wheelchair and you know, eight years later, he's got a black belt. If he can teach an able-bodied adult or teen, I guess, a teen, how to do a proper forward stance by words and knowledge of placement of the lower part of the body, even though they can't use theirs, then they sh- they can be a black belt. You know, because like in my eyes, it's not only the physical, it's your ability to pass it on. I mean, you know, I mean, what what do you think a black belt is other than, you know, kick ass? Well, no, you're absolutely right. And some of the skills they cannot get because of some of the limitations, whether it be arms, whether it be legs, whether it be right. back, mm-hmm. but they can pass on. Now, 
it's it's going to be more difficult for them to pass on because they're not able to show it. Exactly. Exactly. And uh, that was that was going to be my next point is that they're not going to be able to show the proper what do you call it the proper form. Um however, you know, I guess that's where um you know, visiting instructors come in handy or the headmaster. Well, there you go. The headmaster of of a system or a, a master of a particular system, you know, comes every so often to to do you know workshops on you know kihon or you know karate kihon or whatever right basics right, or right. whatever um and then it's up to that black belt um in this case you know that my hypothetical kid in the wheelchair teen in the wheelchair it's up to that person to be that cool assistant instructor or even chief instructor and you know be able to to continue that that correction of other people when of other students when they kind of mess up their forward stance or mess up their back stance or whatever right um right i mean yeah and uh but yeah i've i've heard of schools that will refuse to give people a black belt because of their lack of ability quote unquote and like I said, I can see their point because, you know, if their system says you have to meet these requirements, then, then okay, you got to meet these requirements. But I guess my question is, you know, you know, where does making a, where does making an exception come in 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 situations like that? Um, so anyway, so kind of oh, sorry, my phone did something weird. Um Hmm. Okay. My phone keeps like keeps like rebooting itself for some reason. I don't know what's going on. Huh. Wow. Uh yeah, go go figure. So, anyway, let me check the board here. Oh, nobody's calling us. Boo. <laughs> All right. So, let's uh let's talk a little bit about uh more about why martial arts are great. For autistic kids or or anyone with special needs, okay. Um, now um, I'm going to read an article um, that is on specialneeds.com, and uh, this article is devoted to martial arts. All right. Okay. So it's no secret that traditional martial arts are one of the best extracurricular activities that a child can participate in, any child. For children with special needs, the benefits are invaluable because of the inherent structure and discipline the arts bring to a child's daily life. All children need structure, eh, some more than others, <laughs> I think. Uh-huh. <laughs> and And some may need to be reminded more often or with a different approach. But in the end, it's all the same. Now, now here's the question. Now, why is it better than any other sport or activity? Now, the author says, let me start off by saying the words art and sport. They're quite different words. And art is any activity regarded as a medium of imaginative or creative self-expression. A sport is an activity involving physical exertion and skill in which an individual or team competes against another or others. Now, 
the unique component of martial arts for children with special needs is the competition within themselves, not with others, not necessarily at least. Uh, children with special needs must work on life skills and not competing with others for a trophy. Now, that's not to say they shouldn't compete in tournaments and receive those same rewards, because they should. However, the criteria must be carefully considered and achievable. The author says, I'm not a proponent of everyone wins because failure is a part of life. And I'm a believer in that, too. Um, life skills are what you should consider in martial arts. And if that's all you get out of martial arts, then ta-da, you're a winner. Now, let's talk about some benefits right now. Consistency and repetition create familiarity. And that's what I was talking about a little earlier, about something that feels comforting and familiar, right? And therefore, mm -hmm. children on the autism spectrum do well with martial arts classes because of the constant, hey, horse dance, 20 punches, and the punches are, are the same, okay? Repetition of the same location, the same dojo, the same classmates, the same curriculum, and knowing what to expect are all part of the recipe, with continuous structure, discipline, and fun activities, even a child with multisensory issues almost immediately rises to the occasion. Now, most children with special needs receive therapies on a weekly basis. Adding a traditional martial arts program to their existing therapies can only assist them in reaching their goals faster. Think about it. When an instructor focuses on your child's needs, there is no doubt the results are immediate. Kiss, concentration, balance, tone, awareness, self-regulation, core strength, reduced anxiety, and spatial awareness are just a few of the benefits your child will receive when you find the right studio. Now, many programs for typically developing kids are not suited for every child with special needs. Either the game cannot be played slowly enough, enough time can't be devoted to learning the rules, adaptive equipment isn't there at the studio, et cetera, et cetera. So what can we do? Prepare the child in the most non-restrictive way, which is one of the life skills we must always keep in our minds. Everyone feels good when they know something. So let's prepare our children for life before tossing them in an unfamiliar situation. Now, the author says, I'm sure you want to know the difference between one martial art and another. There are several styles of martial arts and programs available, so getting educated is very important. Now, here's a few things to look for when selecting a location for your child. Now, th this list um, is, uh, is also for uh, typical developing kids also, not, uh, not just um, kids with uh, multisensory issues. Okay, number one. Reputation and experience in the industry, in this case, martial arts. Two, programs specific to your child's needs and not just, yeah, we can take special needs kids. Three, adults and experienced instructors are, should be always on the floor. So that means no colored belts, you know, and no, you know, 12-year-olds teaching the class. Okay. Right. Um, now, can there be... Um, and adults of color rank, you know, helping hold pads and stuff like that, of course. You know, I, I utilize that a lot in, uh, in my classes. Um, but when it comes to the actual instruction, please make sure you are an experienced instructor. 
Um, number four, uh, ample assistance and coverage on the floor, depending on the size of the class. Um, I'm a firm believer in that there should be one instructor or assistant for every three to four kids. So, you know, if you've got a class of 30 people and you've only got two people, you need to get more assistance. <laughs> All right. Um, number five. Now, in the in the case of having a class that has uh, aut uh, autistic kids in it, okay, having uh, therapists, having the child's therapists or teachers um, present at the class, or or if the instructor, if the martial arts instructor has a background of working with um, people in the autism spectrum, that's a big plus. Okay, number six. Small rooms and small groups distractions, and that uh, that greatly helps um, autistic kids. Number seven, offer inclusion programs and advan advancement opportunities. So, like for example, you know if your if your school has a black belt club, don't exclude them from it just because they're in a wheelchair or they have autism or you know what I mean. Um, and right. definitely allow them to to test for rank right you know i mean you know some kids will will progress slower than others but as long as that child is learning something and they're seeing progression they will make their their rank they will it's just gonna you know it might take longer and who knows if you know if they're like you know really gifted might take shorter time than even the other kids so there you go <laughs> okay uh, number eight, important. There has to be the opportunity for the child to attend two or more times a week. Okay, repetition breeds familiarity, and familiarity bre uh, breeds the skill. So and that and that's good for any kid. All right. Um, number nine, private lesson packages, uh, not semi-private, but private lesson packages that provide an opportunity for the instructor and child to become familiar with each other prior to decision-making on joining the school, okay? Right now, and this is kind of going off of the the um, the article right now, right now I'm doing private lessons with a child in the high-spectrum high range. He's uh, very high-functioning. However, um, he's got some impulse control issues and uh, some obsessive issues. And one of the one of the things that I noticed was he became intensely obsessed with my kids' uniforms because we were a red top and black pants. Coolest thing since sliced bread. So he was watching class at first. I I I asked the parent, you know, I'm going to have him watch for 10 minutes and we're going to do an in, intense warm-up. We're going to take a little break. I'm going to spend a little bit of time with with your son during the break, and then we're going to introduce him into the class with two activities, and then we'll have him watch again. Well, anyway, for for that time that the kids were on break and for the two activities that we did, all he could talk about were, were the uniforms. When do I get a uniform? When do I get a uniform? Dad, I want a uniform. I have to have this uniform. When do I get this uniform? When I got, right? Ten minutes. Right. Now, here's the cool thing, though. The other kids didn't roll their eyes. They didn't go, what the heck's wrong with this kid? 
You know, in fact, I had one of the seven-year-olds go, hey, come over here. It's your turn to kick. Here, go like this. You know, that kind of thing. They, had, You know, the kids had no clue. They just thought he was, you know, just really liked the uniform and wanted to join. Right? I thought that was pretty cool. Of course, you know, the parent and I are like, oh, my gosh. You know, he's not focusing. He's running around. Running around and goes in the back room where I'm trying to make uh, uh, make the locker room, and I've still got like all my quandals and poodals and spears and, and junk like that <laughs> back here. And he comes running back here, and grabs a poodal, and goes <laughs> running around the school with it. And my assistant like whoop, snatched it right out of his hand. Like, it, and he just kept running. He was running, and then Marshall just goes whoop, and the kid kept running. And he finally realized I don't have a, I don't have this big bladed thing anymore. Um, and, and I, I had to stop him and I had to go, you know, we don't pick up anything that we don't have permission to pick up. And then he ran out, out of the room and then he sat down and, uh, okay. So we went along with class and then he came right back in again and he tried grabbing other stuff. Um, but then he put it down he dropped the sword in the middle of the floor and I stopped him. I'm like, we don't pick up things that we don't have permission. Did you ask me for permission? No. Well, then we don't get to pick it up. Okay. And he leaves it on the floor and he runs into my kitchen and <laughs> starts opening the fridge. And I was like, oh, my God, what am I going to do, right? Um, but you know what? I think it was more stress on my part. I was making it stressful for me because – I, I know, you know, looking back, I know exactly what went on through my head, Bob. I went, oh, my God, it's my job to make this an organized class, you know, where everyone gets to learn something and nobody's distracted. Well, as I look back on that day, right, um, I was like, guess who was distracted? It was me because I was too right. focused on on. I have to make this class the way it is. So I decided I'm going to have to give him private lessons and make a decision. Do I bring him, do I integrate him into the class, right? Now, the kids, they had fun with him, even though he kept running in and out and in and out and in and out, right? They they had no idea he was autistic. They they didn't care, whatever, you know. Um, and you know what? Neither did the parents, you know. I was more like trying – I was stressed out making sure he didn't pick up like a Kwandao and go running around and take somebody's eye out. That's what I was afraid of, right? Um, you know, I didn't want him like, you know, grabbing wires or anything like that, you know, and, you know, ripping them out of the wall. Um, so I said to the parent, okay, you know, we're going we're gonna to do private lessons with him. And I find that it helps. It's just me and my assistant. And certain doors are closed, so that way it's off limits. And he knows that part. If a door is closed, you cannot open it. Um, and um, and I've had to develop just in the last week, you know, several exercises just to get him to focus. And I found out that he is incredible with figuring out how to untie knots. Not just overhand knots, but funky knots, like knots that Turks head knots, knots that I make, you know, with paracord right. and stuff uh -huh. like that, right? When he went flying through the office, he picked up 
a um, I, I have a gaucho knot around a around a, a a pole that I have in progress, and it's a double gaucho knot that I'm trying to like uh, put together, right? And it's pretty intricate. It's taken me, gosh, it took me like about two hours just to get the first part started, and <laughs> I was like, oh my god, I got to take a break. Well, anyway, he managed to slide it off of the pole, and so. And there's like paracord dragging around on the floor when I finally stopped them. And I freaked out at first because I'm like, oh, my God, that took me like two hours to start. <laughs> you know, and he, he kept pulling on it. So it got really tight. And when you tighten a gaucho knot, you know, unless you know how to untie it, it doesn't untie like a square knot. You're just going to make it tighter. So I said, hey, buddy, I tell you what, you really like that knot? He's like, yeah. And I'm like, I tell you what, okay, how about let's play a game. I'm going to give you 15 seconds to try and untie that knot. And if you're not successful, okay, that's okay. We're going to come in here. We're going to do 10 10 kicks. And then after your 10 kicks, we're going to come out. I'm going to give you another 15 seconds. Well, anyway, whew, that was enough to get through the 45 minutes that I needed with him, right? But in right. 15 seconds, he was boom. He was focused. And after the lesson was over, he still had a lot of knot left. And I said, "Okay, buddy, let's um, you know, let's go ahead and let's have you untie that. You want me to make it harder?" Yeah. So I, whoop, I pulled it tighter. There you go. I sh- and I gave him a fid. I gave him a fid, and I said, "This is how you use a fid. You know, if you can't use your fingers, you use this. You pry it open like that." And he sat there for 15 minutes, not talking, absolutely focused, for 15 minutes undoing my gaucho knot. And I was like, holy crap. And all I could do was sit there and watch this boy. Okay? Right. Eight years yeah. old. Eight years old. He should be in the older kids' class, but, you know, he's functionality, like tiny tigers, you know? And he just sat there and played with this knot. And I looked at his dad and I went, I kind of pointed. He's like, he threw his hands up like I never knew. And uh, so I sent the dad home with a piece of rope, a piece of like the, uh, you know, uh, baling twine, you know, where it's rough. Right. And and yeah. some poly, poly, uh, poly rope that I had hanging around when I was making those, uh, those uh, tape whips because it's smooth and it comes apart and like little, little strings and stuff like that. And I said, here, take this, take this with you. He might want to play with it, but I suggest you tie a bunch of wonky knots in it for him to untie. Um, and a chopstick, give him a chopstick. And, uh, and I've yet to hear uh, what's happened since then, because I want to hear that he can sit and focus for five minutes or 10 minutes or 15 minutes. And if that's the case, you know, my point to the, uh, martial arts instructors out there is that, you know, you want to look for signs in something that they're interested in. And the thing that did it for me was when he grabbed that knot and he kept grabbing the jump rope and he wanted that belt. He wanted the uniform. Look at me. You know, I earned a black and white belt. Well, it was a jump rope. And I'm like, he's really got something about the belt. What's going on? So I decided to play with it. And there we go. So, you know, if you're a martial art instructor, look for those signs of something that they're interested in. Build an activity centered around that. With just even just a hint of it, it doesn't have to be exactly like, oh, let's all untie our belts. Although all kids like to do that, let's have a race, right? Um, 
it doesn't have to be anything obvious like that, but my goodness, you guys, it'll help. Um, so, uh, anyway, so that's kind of my story with, uh, little Timmy. I'll call him Tim, Timmy. His name is, uh, will be withheld for privacy. (laughs) (laughs) But, but he's one of the examples of kids on the high functioning side that, that do what you mentioned, Bob, which is fight authority. Because when I would, you know, there were times during the 45 minutes, I'd bring him outside and he just didn't want to go into the lobby. You know, and I thought, oh, my God, he's going to put his foot right through my wall. And because uh, he can, I'm sure of it. And um, but I I also had to remind myself that if I kept a calm demeanor, then he will keep a calm demeanor. You know, I I found myself right. raising my voice a couple times to get him to hear me, and I realized that doesn't work. And, uh, you know, actually mumbling in his ear actually worked. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. It's to get him to, like, be quiet for a second so he hears what I say. And it's like, you know, so it's stuff, it, it, you know, it's stuff like that that, uh, that we as martial arts instructors, you know, if we choose to teach kids with special needs that we have to be patient with. And I tell you what, it's something that you want to have to do that, that you want to do. You have to want to do it. And uh, if you're one of those guys or gals that expects instant results, then don't teach special needs kids. No. Right. If you are someone that, you know, can't stand kids, of course, and don't teach kids in general, if you, um, are not willing to go down each row and help correct, physically correct their punch or, or their stance or whatever, then don't teach kids. Um, you know, I, I hate to sound like that, but it's kind of like, you know, you, you know how it is, Bob, you know, you meet black belts that are excellent black belts, but could suck as teachers. And yes. you know, there's, there's some people that are absolute geniuses when teaching adults, but in no way, shape, or form have the skills or the mentality for teaching kids. And um, it's a, you know, it's just it's just something that you want to that you want to that you have to want to do. It's something that you have to have a passion for. And um, you know, don't get into it because of the money. This is, you know, one one piece of advice for me. Don't say we teach special needs kids just for the money. You know, and even if you do have a class specifically for special needs kids, charge them the same rate as your other kids. Don't char- don't charge them more, you know, and don't use the excuse. Well, you know, if you if we're going to have to hire a therapist to come in to help with your child or if we got to hire a paraprofessional to help with your child, it's going to cost you one hundred fifty dollars a month. Come on, please. You know. And in fact, something like that, if, if some school does that, that tells me that that school is not even is not even knowledgeable enough or equipped to be able to handle special needs kids. They're just looking for the big buck. So, you know, watch out for well, that. And, and okay. Because we know, and you know from experience, we're not, we don't start out as, as martial arts instructors to be a nonprofit organization. It just ends yeah. up that way. Yeah, exactly. It's, <laughs> that's true. It's true. You know, 
Um, like Dura Cheryl says, it takes a certain personality to be who we are. And, uh, you know, get a real job, Rusty. <laughs> yeah, whatever. <laughs> All right, let's move on to what people should look for in martial arts schools for their child. And, again, it's, it's, it's applicable to any child, not just special needs child. I left off at eight, off at nine, sorry. Number 10, opportunities for rank advancement. And we did touch on that in that big diatribe that we had. Number 11, it, uh, it helps if the school is backed and supported by some type of a larger organization for that martial arts, uh, for that martial arts style. So, for example, you know, if you're in Shotokan, you know, the 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 World Shotokan. So I don't know, know what they I don't know what they call it, but the the World Shotokan Association or the World Karate, you know, Association, uh, WKA WKO. I forgot what it's called. Um, or if you do Wushu, you know, we've got the USA WKF and the IWUF. You want to that school wants to be backed or supported or endorsed by these larger organizations or national organizations or any type of larger body all right uh number uh, number 12 um the school that you're looking for should have flexible tuition schedules due to changes in therapies doctor's appointments and unforeseen personal issues so that means you know you know you, you should be willing to say, okay, hey, if you miss more than two classes or three classes a month, then we're going to give you this month off when it comes to, you know, your next payment or whatever, blah, 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 right? Um, don't be like, nope, you know, we're like a phone bill. You still got to pay even if you missed because Johnny had to, I don't know, he needed to have like throat surgery or something. Really? Really, come on. You're going to charge parents like $150 when they're like stressing over how, how they're going to pay their kids medical bills? <laughs> oh, okay. Right, what right. Is, yeah. So please, you know, do consider if you're a martial arts school having a flexible tuition plan. Okay. Number 13, studio event, have studio events that provide social interaction with other students. Now, um, and that's the 13 things to look for. The author says, it is my belief that all styles of martial arts are good. The question is, which style is the right one for you and your fam- you, your child, or your family? If the instructor is compassionate, patient, understanding, experienced, and willing to dedicate his or her life to your child, then that's the place to be. Regardless of the child's needs, learned behavior can only be achieved through behavioral momentum. Great article written by Paul DeSordo, and he's the chief instructor at Pediatric Martial Arts, uh, Huang Martial Arts Wellness, and Dell Martial Arts LLC. So a little bit about Paul DeSordo. I want to give him uh, lots of kudos for this article. Uh, Paul DeSordo started training in the Korean discipline of Subak-do, Mudokwan, in 1986. He earned his fourth-degree black belt and master instructor certification in 2003. He began instructing special needs children under the auspices of St. Barnabas Medical Center's Pediatric Occupational and Physical Therapy Department in 1995. He now consults special needs professionals and teaches both in schools as well as at his two studio locations. So thank you, Master DeSordo, for this article. 
um, about the teaching kids with special needs. I mean, an article like this um, needed to be written. Uh, when did he write this? Oh, it's uh, it's pretty recent. But uh, articles like this need, needed to be written. Um, and uh, I'm going to be looking to see if he has a book out or something like that. But anyway, all right. Well, it is 7.52 already. No one's called in. But I guess we had covered a lot of autism stuff. <laughs> yes, absolutely. A lot of autism stuff. And I'm hoping that um, even if you didn't call in and join the conversation, I'm hoping that people do listen to this episode, um, you know, in our, our archives. Because, you know, I love teaching kids in general. And I love teaching special needs kids. Um, why? Because, you know, when they have fun, it's genu- genuine fun. And when they appreciate something, they genuinely appreciate it. There is no, uh, you know, there is no ulterior motive that, you know, some kids can develop, you know, <laughs> in their growing phase, right? You know, well, I'm going to act like this so that way I get that. You know what I mean? There is none of that. And with many special needs kids, you know, I it's genuine. Um, that's not to say that all kids aren't genuine. There are, but you know, there are some kids that are, you know, that are master manipulators. You know that we all know that. Um, yeah. yeah. And, uh, kids and helping them grow and, you know, see, you know, where they go in the future. And so this, this particular subject is very near and dear to me. Um, and having, you know, um, a few family members that are dealing, uh, that, that are dealing with this. It's, you know, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's close to home, let's just say. And I'm, I'm glad that we got to talk about it and I got to get some stuff off my chest. Like people thinking that it's autism is caused by bad parenting. <laughs> I had to get that off my chest because sometimes I just want to backhand, backhand people that think that. <laughs> but anyway, whew. That's the end of that. <laughs> so, what do you think, Bob? Let's end the show early. <laughs> I think so. I think so. I think so. I think so. We've talked enough about autism. I mean, there's, there's, we could still talk. I could still talk about it like forever. But um, if you guys have questions about autism, uh, uh, as it deals with children, you know, you can go to childmind.org. That's uh, C H I L D M I N D dot org, um, and you can also go to specialneeds.com. And uh, two great websites um, um, that provide resources and, and and even information for parents, especially for the parents. So go check those out: specialneeds.com and childmind.org. So wow, <laughs> that's a that was a that was an interesting uh, two hours, and uh, you know, and I'm sorry that I talked that whole time, but it's like I, like I said, this is a, this is a subject that is very uh, near and dear to me, and um, I, it just makes me crazy when people think weird crap. But anyway, anyhow, yeah. thanks for <laughs> listening, everybody. Uh, yeah, especially the myths that drives me insane. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thank you, Bob. And uh, special thanks to ChildMind.org and SpecialNeeds.com and that cool article by Paul DeSordo. We'll talk to everybody next time, so keep your eyes peeled on the Dynamic Dojo Facebook pages. We have a group and a fan page. 
for the subject of next week's show. All right, everyone, have a great weekend. See ya. Thank you.